Viewer discretion is advised. If there's anyone watching, man, and you sort of feel that you can't leave your room, I encourage you to get up and leave that room will be the best decision you ever made. Mandate. Welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing is off the table. Tonight's guest is from Tamaki Makoto, Adam Okilani. He is one of the leading reggae musicians or artists in Australasia. You know him by the, the infamous music and his, his melodic sound and also the sultry voice um, from his music, like music like Tell Me. Um, when, if tomorrow never comes, you got um, where do I go? And also slow wind, and also uh, homebound. And so, please put your hands together for the man who is another son of the kingdom of Tonga, the Tokoua, the amazing, the immaculate Suez. Thanks for having me, man. It was quite a good intro, honest. Thank you. <laughs> Oh man, thank you so much, Dogo. Thank you for, for, for your time. I know you're, you're a busy man as well. I know you just come back uh, from Australia, but um, Dogo, just to, to get the ball rolling, because you are, you, you, you're well known, I know your journey as is, is, is a teen. You started as a teen, yeah. and I know a lot of people might, might, might know that, but tell us in terms of the, the music industry and, and also getting into reggae, because you went more into the R&B, and then how did it kind of shift from R&B to reggae? Um, yeah, you know, uh, I think, you know, I had older brothers who sort of got me into the R&B, like Boyz II Men and uh, mm. Casey and Jojo, uh, all those uh, sort of groups. Um, and then as I was getting older, I sort of, um, you know, there was always Fiji around, there was always UB40 around, but I think it was uh, it was a guy by the name of Jay Boog. When he came out in 2008, that sort of um, gave me this whole perspective of like island reggae, um, you know what I mean? And then... You know, you, as you do when you're sort of recording, you sort of try and try out different things. And I just felt like I sort of gravitated more towards the uh, feel-good, happy side of music, um, which was island reggae, you know what I mean? Um, just for example, you know, uh, you could hear an island reggae song and the lyrics could be sad, but the music's still still pretty uh, pumping, eh? you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think I think that's what it was. It was about be, being able to uh, create feel-good music and create good vibes. So was that was that was the plan for you in terms of growing up? Obviously, music is instrumental in your, in your life and in, in your family and so forth. But was that always the tra- trajectory for you to okay, man? I'm gonna make music. I'm gonna I'm gonna be well known. People are gonna know me. They're gonna know who I am. Yeah, I think as a kid, it was always a dream. Um, you know, but then at the same time, growing up, uh, especially in like a. a in a Pacific Island family, those dreams are still a bit very far. I mean, especially at that time, eh? You know what I mean? Uh, it was more uh, you either go out there, work hard, study, or play rugby. So, you know, that, that, that music thing was always a dream, but it wasn't necessarily something that I thought was possible, but it was something that I always wanted to do. I learned from a pretty young age that um, I loved performing uh, and being able to uh, put smiles on people's faces and... I think, you know, that that's what I wanted to do, like, eventually. So. Damn, so when did you know, no, like, this is it, I'm going all in on music? And I think it was uh, about the age of 14, I met some cousins, um, you know, uh, at this time I was, uh, we were living in Australia, uh, Brisbane, Australia, my dad, uh, we sort of didn't have the best year at school that year, so my dad uh, sent me and my brother up and we all went up and started picking grapes up North Queensland, uh, that, I guess that was sort of like a disciplinary thing, uh, you know what I mean, for not sort of doing so well at school, but then I met my cousins there and they were from down in Melbourne and they sort of had their own little sort of... Uh, 
how would you say it, little recording setup. And then I learned that you could actually record yourself at home. So then from that moment on, I was like, you know what, when I go back home to Brisbane, I'm going to figure out and do whatever I can to get me these, uh, these, the software and all these tools. So, you know what I mean? I, I ended up, I think at the time it was LimeWire, where you could, you know, get a lot of these. So could you just understand <laughs> <laughs> but LimeWire was the software where you could download things for free without actually paying for them. And I found a program called Acid Pro and Fruity Loops, which I could make beats on. And then I just had a little simple chat mic, and that was pretty much it. So it got me started. Oh, and you were only 14? Yeah, 14, 14. Yeah, man. man. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like, what helps drive um, that passion to pursue that? that like music because you know a lot of our youngins when we um, find the interest in something it's easy for us to um, for our parents to like shoot down your dream because like it's not the norm yeah, yeah especially yeah. in our PR families during that time yeah, it's yeah. like always lawyer yeah, yeah. like you say rugby yeah, player, yeah. Uh, doctor but it was like you found the interest in something you went and learned and taught yourself like did anyone help support push your dream? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what, what you're saying is very much true. In the beginning, you know, it was sort of uh, my parents, you know, they're sort of, you know, I was always locked up in my bedroom recording and you'll sort of hear them in certain tongue and they're like, do where my mama will die me, you know what I mean? Um, which as they do, you know what I mean? So I understand where they're coming from at the time. But then, you know, I think eventually they saw that I was a little bit good at it. And the whole drive for me was that I knew I could sing a little bit. So then I had to teach myself how to write and create songs and things like that so I think knowing that I was a little bit good at something drove me to really sort of push for it because the rugby dream wasn't working so <laughs> was there pressure because you know your older brother yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was there pressure to like follow his path uh, definitely, definitely. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not just Sika. I mean, we come from a, uh, a family that's been dominated by sort of rugby, eh? you know what I mean? My dad's first cousin was uh, one of uh, the first Tongan Wallabies. His name was Daniel Manu, you know what I mean? Ooh, so I've yes, come from yes. a, a family that's pretty sports-driven, eh? you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think there was pressure there. But like I said, I found something that I was mm, good at, which was cool. a bit different, you know what I mean? And, yeah, I wasn't too good at rugby, so <laughs> I went the other way. When I think of your story and you're just sharing, I think about um, High School Musical and um, Troll Bolton. What's that his name? <laughs> and I was like, man, we need a Pacific Island one. <laughs> hey, you could be that, that solid one. <laughs> Shadows. But how was it? Because I know with our Tongan people, in terms of education, because education is quite quite massive. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, the Tongan per capita, the, the the highest, the most degrees in terms of our, our Pacific people. And so, was education like a big thing in, in the household for you, or was it just you just knew very well, like, hey, this is the the education system is not for me? Yeah, I, I think I knew uh, at a pretty young age. Like, I'm, I'm more of a practical person than. Uh, there's someone who sort of does well with theory, you know what I mean? And all my report cards pretty much said I was easily distracted. So <laughs> I kind of knew from then that I wasn't going to go uni or anything after school. Um, but yeah, I, I think if anything, yeah, I, I think it's it's always, um, you know, an important thing within, especially not just our Tongan, but our Pacific communities. I think, you know, it's real big on, they're real big on pushing education, just having something to fall back on. And to be honest with you, um, I sort of do regret not taking school that seriously because now I've only got music to rely on, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, if anything, yeah, I think uh, education is still very important. Awesome. And that's cool. I like that you mentioned the 
practical over theory because I think there's a lot of us that are sort of similar. We just learn differently from like sitting with a textbook. Like yeah, sometimes yeah. we just can't do it. And um, yeah, I just thought it was cool that you acknowledged that. Um, I was curious about, you mentioned you were kind of good at music. You found that you had like kind of a talent in one area, but then there were other aspects like writing and all that sort of stuff that you really had to work um, work hard on. Yeah. What was the most difficult thing to work on in terms of like having a, one talent in one area, but then you have to work on all these other areas? I think, uh, I, I think I sort of had the vocal stuff sort of down pat. Then it was writing. Um, Writing was, you know, it was it was easy because you'd sort of listen to other songs and sort of listen to how they used words and phrases in it. And then I think the hardest part for me, and even till nowadays, is still production of uh, piecing the music together behind it. So I still always get friends in it to help me sort of piece the music together. But, you know, nowadays I sort of direct them a little bit more in terms of uh, what sounds I want and things. But yeah, I think the production of the music would definitely be the hardest part. So in terms of the, the, the music now, you talk about production and so forth, but um, have you come to a place where you felt like, man, I need to evolve, I need to do something different with, with my sounds, because um, everyone else might be kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Have, you, have you come to a place that you know, I just need to change things up a bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, as artists, like, you know, over time you're always trying to look for ways to sort of uh, grow away, you know what I mean? Um, how would I say? I'm not the same... Uh, kid that I was 10 years ago you know what I mean back then I was I was a single kid coming into the industry fairly uh, you know fairly fresh whereas now I'm uh, you know sort of I've uh, been in this game a bit long I've got three kids so then you know the music obviously has to change I had to sort of think about you know what my kids are going to be hearing coming out of my mouth and all those sort of things too but I think yeah overall I think as artists you're always trying to sort of find things that and I, and I think sort of refresh your uh, your hunger for why we do what we do too because like anything else, if you keep it the same, it's always going to eventually go stale, eh? So I think that's, you know, yeah, something that I'm always looking to do. Have you experienced like like creative like a creative block and just, I don't know, man, just, I'm just trying to figure out the song, I don't know, this melody. <laughs> is this just, uh, and if so, um, Dougal, like how, how bad has it been for you in terms of that creative block? Oh, it happens always. It happens always, Docs, you know. It just It's just one of those things. Like, one day you might write a song in 15 minutes and, you know, it might take you 15 weeks to create a verse, you know what I mean? So I think it's it's just one of those things. I think it's it also comes back down to um, just taking care of yourself, you know what I mean? Uh, always making sure, like, you know, if, if your mind's not right, you're never going to be able to do anything right. Eh? So I think it's, you know, it's those sort of things. So if I'm in a good space mentally, the music flows, you know what I mean? So, yeah, my yeah. And um, in terms of that understanding about, like, being in a good space, like, mentally, um, have you always been like that or was that something you had to identify throughout your journey? Yeah, I think it's something that I had to identify. Mm. Um, you know, like like I was saying earlier, obviously life's uh, changed for me in a big way since I first came into the industry. You know, I came into this industry with no kids, uh, no misses, you know what I mean? You sort of, you know, and then over time, you know, you have all these other priorities that you've got to balance as well, um, you know what I mean? And um, as much as I would like to f uh, spend all my time focusing solely on my music, I've still got my kids to take care of. I've got my wife to make sure that I'm, you know, keeping her happy too. So I do have different uh, priorities that I have now in my life. And I, I think it's, um, you know, they say, what do they say? Happy wife, happy life. So you've got to make sure you balance everything and, and maintain everything well before you can sort of, uh, you know, and get everything else done, done right. So. 
Yeah. So how do you balance everything then? Because that's a lot on your plate. Well, it is. It is. It is. I. I, I think. Um, it's one of those ones. I've just learned to adapt over it over time. You know what I mean? Like, like with my kids, my older two going to school now, like me and my wife, we have like a thing where I sort of let her know if I've got a project that I need to finish in studio. So then when the kids go off to school that morning, I'm in, I'm in studio for those six hours while they're at school. Or, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just communication between me and my wife. You know what I mean? I, I think a big thing that uh, we always speak about is that communication. You know what I mean? Um, you're not always going to get it right. But I mean, if there's communication there, then, you know, it makes things, you know, a, a lot easier. You know, so say, for example, if we need to record her because... You know, she might. Uh, she doesn't necessarily like to record herself. She'll just like to do the whole. You know, do her thing on the mic while I press record and things like that. We'll sort out for our kids to go to their grandparents or or, or things like that. So th- those are ways of you know, um, sort of helping uh, relieve a lot of the, uh, the the extra pressure and things. It's just that communication between me and my wife. You know. Awesome. Awesome. Well, how did you guys meet anyway? Because I'm just just wondering how, how, how did you and Tree meet? Because obviously you guys powerhouses in terms of music and your singing, but how, how how did it come about together that you guys became this uh, this couple? Yeah, I, I met her on my first tour here in New Zealand. Uh, it was actually I don't know if you guys know, but there's Woody's Bar out yes, in, uh, yeah. in Manurewa. So I had a show there. One of her friends was uh, one of the opening acts. So she was just there hanging out sort of thing. And then we sort of met that night. And then um, it wasn't really anything at first. And then I think we sort of met up a few times after that. And then we just became really good friends. Uh, you know what I mean? And I still remember at the early, early, early stages, all the people around us were like, you two are going to end up together. You two, and we're like, nah, nah, we're calling each other doxers and everything, you know? I think that was our way of hiding that we, you know, like, he got out of the freezer. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and yeah, we're married now, and uh, yeah. In the beginning, I love, I love you, dox. I love yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, even if, I, even if I slip out the word dox, no, she's like, don't call me dox. <laughs> Cool, man. <laughs> oh, man. So, so now you rep six eight five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Fine line, fine line, a fine line, man. Hey, I'm telling you guys, this man. I loved the World Cup last year, but I was driving with a broken heart. I was like, <laughs> Is your wife giving it to you? My wife and my kids had their flags out the window. I was peeping the horn. And I was like, doing it with a bad heart. I was like, I do not want to be here right now. And then one of the tokos came up to me and he goes, win one win, we all win tokos. And in my mind, I'm like, only one one. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, yeah, but nah. 65, man. 65. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say, like, in terms of like being in the game for this long, like, what keeps you driven? <sighs> I think my wife and my kids. Um, if anything, uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, everything that I do is is for them now. You know what I mean? So. Um, you know, whatever it is, I hope uh, whether it be setting a good example for them or whether it be providing for them, you know, I just, um, that, that's what drives me, being able to take care of my family and, and also just doing what I love as well. So, yeah. Will we hear a gospel album coming out soon? Or? Man, I, I, me and me and Chia have spoken about it. I'd mm. love to, you know what I mean? I think, um, yeah, I think we, you know, as islanders, we, we sort of, you know, start singing off in the church and, and yeah. things like that. So, 
you know, and none of this will be possible without the man upstairs. So I think it's only right that we sort of, you know, give thanks. So yeah, I, I'll definitely look into it. I don't, you know, I I can't say when I'll do it, but it's definitely uh, something that's on the bucket list. That's cool. You know what I mean? And you and your wife are both powerhouses in terms of New Zealand music and and now you've got kids. Do you, has your kid, have you seen any musical talent in your kids and is it something you want your children to come through? Um, bro, I see it every day, you know mm. what I mean? So, so all three of them, they all, they love music, you know what I mean? And it's, it's one of those things, I think, um, yeah, I, th I think if anything, as a parent, uh, whether it be music or not, whatever they decide to do, I'm going to support them 100%. I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, my kids' happiness is everything to me, you know what I mean? If they wanted to be a dancer, if they wanted to be an actor, um, you know, even if they went the other way and did what we're supposed to do and become lawyers, I'll go, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll support them too. So I think for me, it's just, yeah, whatever they decide that they want to do is thing. And if it's music, then obviously I have some sort of experience in it where I can help them out mm -hmm. and, you know, that would work out better for me. But yeah, whatever it is that they decide to do, I'll support them 100%. Nah, no, yeah. nah, are there, um, like when you think about the possibility of your kids following in your footsteps, are there aspects about your experience in the music industry that make you like... Oh man! If they do want to pursue it, I have to prep them for this. Like, are there a little? Are there a little bit like some fears in terms of like the way the industry can be? Because I imagine it can be quite ruthless at times. Yeah, definitely. I th I think that, that you know, if they were to decide to, um, that that's the sort of things I would be sort of, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, I wouldn't want to warn them about it because I wouldn't want them to be scared. I think if anything, it's um, this industry is a crazy industry. But I think if you um, uh, sort of, how would you say? Uh, how would you say? Uh, sort of um, get a bit more knowledge on it before you actually get into the industry. Then it will help you a million times. Uh, mm. You know, uh, better in the long run. So I think if, if anything, I'll sort of more prep them in that way. But then at the same time, um, I'll become a dad a job or a manager or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. Nah, yeah. But I think if anything, I'd, I would never sort of try and. Um, do anything that will scare them off because I think music's a beautiful thing, especially if it's done the right way. And I think this, I think like anything else, anything can be beautiful if you, you know what I mean, learn to see the good in things. And yeah, oh, that's yeah. cool. And what kinds of things like, because you know, any with any passion, like it can be a beautiful thing, but then sometimes to take it from a beautiful passion or a hobby into something that can provide for your family and pay the bills, like sometimes there are you know, blockades and things like that. And you sort of mentioned being able to prepare them or that some knowledge beforehand can go a long way. Um, what, what's an example of like just some knowledge that could help? Um, perhaps there's a listener out there that's looking to get into music or some of our um, up and coming youngsters that are coming, uh, coming through. What's some knowledge that maybe you could share in terms of preparing them or? Man, I, I think one of my biggest things, and I know it sounds cliche, but just backing, backing yourself. You know what I mean? I, um, making sure that you surround yourself with people who believe in you. Um, and just, yeah, just, yeah, I, I think if anything, it's just believing in the talent that you have. I think, you know, um, not everything's going to start off perfect, but if you keep chipping away, it's going to get better and better over time. So I think it's just, yeah, being confident, you know what I mean? Um, not letting uh, the wrong people be around you, you know what I mean? I, and I say this, um, 
like from experience when uh, I sort of, before I sort of came into the industry, I had my older brother, um, shout out to my brother Dodge. Uh, he was that guy that whatever I made, he was sort of there just like hyping me up the whole time. And um, it's sort of, you know, as much as I listened back to that music, I was like, whack, what were we doing? But at the same time, it sort of, you know, built my confidence to continue sort of chipping away at my craft and things like that. And I think if anything, that's, that's what I mean by sort of surrounding yourself with people who do believe in you because I think he believed in me well before well before I sort of knew that I could potentially make you know make something out of this and then you know my older brother Sika he decided after my chat mics he decided he was going to go and buy me a proper studio mic and all those sort of things so being able to have people around you who are going to you know, not necessarily, they might not necessarily need to say it, but it's the things that they do to show you that they're, that they're there for you and they believe in you that sort of make a big difference, eh? So, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's all I'd like to push them with is, you know, back mm -hmm. yourself and put some good people around you who sort of are there for you, you know what I mean? Man, it seems like a recurring theme, eh? Um, also, in terms of um, backing yourself, but also uh, having the right supports. Yeah, yeah. We have several other guests who've said, oh man, we need, you, need, you need to surround yourself with, in the midst of, of some good people and good mm. supports and people who are going to kind of, um, you know, just kind of cheer you on and be your, your cheerleaders. Yeah. And so who, who, are, who are the main, obviously your family, but who outside of your circle uh, do you depend on and do you see as people who have got your back? Um... There's quite a few. I mean, within our industry, you know, we've got quite a, quite a good, uh, you know, sort of uh, good group of friends. Um, but yeah, I think I think of anything, it's, it's more so my family, because my family are always going to be there. You know what I mean? Um, you know, as much as we have our friends in there around us, um, you know, they're not always going to be there to pick me up when I'm down. Um, you know what I mean? So I think I tend to rely on my family a lot. You know? So, yeah. Man, that's cool. And just speaking of like. Um you know, the reoccurring theme of backing yourself. Why is it so hard for people to back themselves, you reckon? Um, yeah, more so our people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think one of the biggest things for us is, you know, I think as islanders, we've always been taught to be, uh, you know, what they say is humble, you know what I mean? And humble is not speaking uh, highly of yourself and things like that. But I think... Uh, being humble or being being confident and arrogant are two totally different things and I think that's where it gets mixed up. Mm. I think being confident is, you know, it's, it's something that we need to do and, and that's what backing yourself is, uh, trusting in your ability. Um, being arrogant is when you start to bring other people down in the process, you know what I mean? So that's where I see this. And I think there's a fine line between it, but I encourage everyone to back themselves and be confident about what they do. Um, you know what I mean, and it's not always easy. But I think, if anything, like you know, it's 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 very important to understand that you know you um, what you're being given is 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 a blessing, and you should be you know sort of doing your best in it. That's cool. Because being in the industry that you're in, um, this was you know, I'm, I'm just assuming that you would have in your in your time in the industry, you would have. I'm assuming that you would have met those kind of personal or figures who are like just real arrogant, cutthroat, and if so, Dogo. Who are they? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they were shooting, they were shooting. <laughs> yeah, so how, yeah, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? There's a, like you said, there's a fine level of confidence and arrogance. Yeah. And when you meet people in the industry who are quite arrogant, yeah, yeah. What's, what's your take on that? How do, how do you process that? How do you deal with those individuals? Um, I think it's, it's just one of those things, sort of each to their own, you know what I mean? Um, 
I'm not the type to uh, see someone like that and then sort of try and uh, sort of, uh, how would you say, confront them or, you know what I mean, bring them back down or anything like that. I think if anything, it's each to their own. Everyone sort of has their own reasons why they are the way that they are. So I sort of just let them them be. I might, you know, I might not hang around them as much, but you know what I mean? I think, yeah, there's a reason why that person might be that way. So I'll just, you know, sort of let them be. Wow. And that kind of ties into a question, and legit, this is a question from one of my students at school um, who wanted to know about the industry. Is gatekeeping an issue in the industry that you find? Um, yes and no. I, I think we can sort of uh, sit here and say that they are gatekeepers, but I think there's multiple doors now. You know what I mean? There's not necessarily just one way. I think. Uh, back when I sort of get, came into the game, it was you had to be signed to a record label. Um, you know, uh, you had to release your stuff on CDs and things like that. So I think, yeah, there, there, there is, but I think there's multiple doors and avenues now that we can sort of go through. Um, and I think internet's a big one. You know what I mean? The, the, the internet has grown so much over the years that, um, yeah, I think social media in itself is one big door and there's... You know, as much as there's so many people on there, I think there's like a there's an opportunity and a platform for anyone to showcase their talent. Say, eh? you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I don't believe in the whole gatekeeping thing. I think in certain areas, yes, um, but yeah, I, I think if anything, if you work hard, uh, no one's going to be able to deny your hard work. Eh? Yeah, true. So what's the best way now? I'm hearing a lot of independent artists going independent, doing yeah. their own thing. Is that is that the is that the is that something that's, that's quite popular now with all the music artists are there just to go independent instead of being signed up to a label or to a record label? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it's because it's easy enough to do it now, you know what I mean? Um, back then, um, you sort of had to have like a marketing team and like all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, radio's, radio's not really as big as it was anymore and podcasts have become the, the thing, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think times have changed and there's the, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those ones where, um, you know, the kids, like I said, there's a lot more accessibility in terms of being able to get your name or, you know what I mean, more platforms mm. and stuff to be able to get your name out there now. And uh, I think there's no one way anymore, you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. it's cool, man. Also, have you ever had any regrets? Um, Six, eight, five, eight. <laughs> <laughs> Waking up at three in the morning to watch that game, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, nah no, not really. I think if anything, like, there, there would have been times where I would have been like, oh, you know, I regretted this and that, but I think... Um, as you get older, you sort of realise that everything just happens the way that it's supposed to happen, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, it's yes, I, I would say that I would have, you know, liked to things uh, have things go like a certain way, but no, nah, I don't regret a thing else, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm happy with my life and where I'm at now, so... That's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, just that game. Just that game. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had a rock bottom moment? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, 2014. I don't think a lot of people knew, but I uh, sort of packed my bags and gave up music and went back to Australia uh, for about a year. Um, I think at that time my head just wasn't in the right space. Uh, it was on a whole different kind of a whole different kind of drugs and and things like that. And I think if anything at that time I just felt like I needed to go home. Mm. 
and go to my parents and that's that was uh, one of the best decisions I made because I think if I had stayed on any longer and tried to you know try to kick on, I don't think it was going to be the best thing for me. So I think that would probably be have been my 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 rock bottom there. So wow, was there anything that led you to drug abuse, or was it just trying things and it just became addictive, or were there things happening? Yeah, I, th- I think coming into the industry, I was a pretty um, heavy weed smoker. So oh, you know yeah. what I mean. Um, Obviously, they say when you smoke weed, you feel all these different... When you hear music, it's like a whole different thing. So I think, if anything, I just... I got carried away with it, you know what I mean? And being in this industry, um, it's a lot easier to get these sort of things. Um, But then at the same time, I think, for me, it was more so the pressures of um, my life changing so drastically. Um, Mm -hmm. Being a kid who was... Uh, singing music uh, at home on a guitar with just his brothers around supporting him to eventually being on the world stage where I was travelling to places like America and Australia and just, yeah, I I think for me it just, yeah, with my life changing that fast, I think it just became a little bit too much. Um, I think the way that I went about sort of, um, you know, leaving music, I don't think that that was the best way at the time. I, I think if there's anything, I, I would have done that a little bit better. But I think I just needed that break. Mm-hmm. And I needed to go home to mum and dad and uh, just feel somewhat sort of love. Because this is a lonely industry, man. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a lonely thing, you know what I mean? Um, if I was to tell you that 100 friends that I had back when I first came into this game, uh, I could text them now and none of them will reply. You know what I mean? And this just how fast it can all change, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I I think that's, you know, at that time, I think I was starting to realise that, um, you know what I mean, Uh, a lot of the love and stuff that I was getting, I'm not saying that, um, you know, there wasn't any, there was a lot of genuine love out there, but then I also realised that, you know, uh, uh, yeah, that there was was a lot that wasn't genuine Mm. as well, and, you know, I, I just needed to go home. Just me. It must be difficult in terms of because I imagine sometimes, um, you know, when you have lots of friends at one period of time and then everything changes and they're gone, it must be hard not to take that personally and feel like, man, like it must affect yourself with so much. I um, mean, I imagine that was a big part of the battle in terms of taking it personally as opposed to, you know, now you can look back and be like, that's kind of part of the territory when you come up yeah, and life changes but yeah, at the yeah. time it must have been hard in terms of taking it personally yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think at the time they, they sort of at the time no one had sort of left me but I just I could start to feel that um, a lot of the friendships and the relationships that I built weren't as solid as you know what I mean as, as they you know as, as I would have thought you know what I mean so you know like, like anything I just you know I, I knew that the the only people who really loved me unconditionally uh, was my parents. And, you know, I sort of felt that I needed to go back to home base and sort of recollect myself and regather myself, um, you know, before I was to do anything else in life. So, yeah, I actually hung up the mic at that time. Wow. You know, so, well, how yeah. long was that period also in terms of, like, being with mum and dad and just really coming out of that place of being rock bottom? Yeah, it, it, was, it was good. I mean... It was kind of hard to explain to mum and dad what I was going through because they, you know, for, for them, um, you know, they, you know, to a lot of people, they thought that I was doing doing well. You know what I mean? And they sort of didn't want me to miss out on this opportunity of, you know, fulfilling my dream sort of thing. 
And I just, yeah, I think it was hard, but I tried to explain to them at the most that I just needed to get away from anything. I think it got to a point where um, <coughs> I, I sort of didn't want to hear music and, you know, every, everything just changed. I think, you know, also, like, when you're doing music for the love of it and it becoming a business, it all changes as well, you know what I mean? It changes your whole perspective mm -hmm. on a lot of things. And then you almost fall into traps of making music uh, for the wrong reasons, eh? You know what I mean? So... Yeah, so I think it, eventually I was able to heal and, and find my way back. But yeah, it was, it was a difficult one at first, you mm. know what I mean? I think everyone was sort of wondering why I sort of wanted to give it up. I think they saw that, you know, from the outside, everyone saw this beautiful thing. Um, but no one knew what I was sort of dealing with on the inside. Eh? So. Mm. You talk about healing, um, Swiss. And so you went to see mum and dad. What was so significant in terms of mum and dad uh, helping you and supporting you. What was the the magic touch, so to speak, in terms of mom and dad's wisdom, or was it just just being in the midst of mom and dad? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's like like I said, like my life changed drastically. Um, you know, before that, I was just, yeah, I was just a snotty nosed kid. You know, I was just your average Tongan kid. You know what I mean? And I think there was a lot of pressure in terms of going out into public and being viewed in a certain way and being expected to uphold myself in a certain manner. Um, and I, I sort of felt it today. Eh? Like, I think, if anything, like, how would you say it in Taiwan? I'm a pretty all of valley kid, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it was kind of hard going out there and not being myself, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think I was able to go home to mum and dad and just be myself. And there were people who, um, you know, who knew me um, before all the music stuff and accepted me that way, you know what I mean? So... I knew that if I was to go back to them, whatever it was that I was going to do, they were still going to love me anyway. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah I think that's why I wanted to go into mum and dad. There's something oh. about going to your parents and you just being a kid. Hey, yeah, like, because yeah. so, you've been away from them for so long. Yeah. It's like you're always having to be the man. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then when your parents are around, it's like, oh, shucks. I like being fed. I like the attention, you know. And then, man, when my parents come, like, and then my mom, my wife was like, "Look at you, want a baby?" And I was like, "Man, true. I don't get this all the time, man." That's true, bro. And so there's, you know, there's that that thing about just being around your family. We can just be you, and yeah. there's no like real pressure to be anything else because yeah. they're gonna love you unconditionally. Yeah, of course, of course, you know. And I think, you know, I think it's. It's something that, you know, we sort of uh, forget at times too. You know what I mean? That our parents will always <laughs> yeah. love us unconditionally. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh, shout out to your parents. Yeah, that's so cool. Because you can, I think in the industry, you can, like you said, there's an instance where you felt like you couldn't be yourself and you, and you can kind of lose yourself in the whole process. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do you think, how do you, how do you um, kind of, differentiate in terms of this is who I really am versus this is who I need to be or is there a persona you have to convey to people? Yeah, I, I think I'm in the process now sort of breaking out of it. It's taking, it's taking me so long. I think because um, when I came into this industry, it was sort of the in-between of um, the CD era before the streaming era. And I think at that time, there was a lot of exclusivity about being uh, an artist, you know what I mean? And um, how would you say, it? it was still heavily about marketing, um, you know what I mean? And 
I think now we live in a day and age where authenticity is everything. You know what I mean? I would have preferred way, way more to come out in, in, in this day and age. But yeah, I think I'm still slowly making that trans- transition of trying to sort of break out of, uh, you know, that old yeah. mould uh, that I was sort of, you know, found myself in. So who is Swiss? Who's Swiss? Um, <coughs> he's your typical Tongan kid. Like I'm, I'm, I'm that dude who will uh, rock up to a house party, see everyone partying like this, and I'll come in on this level. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and you can ask all our music mates, bro. Like, oh, what happens at the back of the festival stages, mate? I'm usually the, one of the ringleaders of it. But yeah, I, I think that's you know that, that that's the sort of thing. Like you know, I I want to be able to be myself. You know what I mean? I want to. Um, yeah, especially in, in those sort of things. Yes, I understand that there's times where, you know, we've got to be responsible and things like that. But if I can be like this around my family, I should be able to be like mm-hmm. this around the world. And I think those are the things that I'm sort of uh, trying to sort of break out of now and, and just really be in my, my full self, you know what I mean? That's exciting news. Yeah, That's cool. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's like, I love what you said, um, was to just be yourself in the midst of, you know, in your family and then you see yourself out in public. And it's just something that's kind of um, appropriate to, to share because in this day and age, in terms of our men, mm. I wonder how many of us can be their authentic selves yeah, 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 and just be who they are without getting cut up the knees or people prejudging you or all these preconceptions of who you are. And how, how many of us feel liberated just to be themselves? And for, all, for all of us, I think it's a, it's a hard, it's, it's, it's a hard road, eh, sometimes, yeah, yeah, eh? It is, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I found that challenging when I was pastoring. Yeah. Because, you know, as a pastor, mm. people's view of a pastor is like, you got to be holy and all this. I'm not saying I wasn't holy, but like their view of me was very different of who would. Who they had in their mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I used to introduce myself to a lot of the young adults for the first time, like, hey, blah, 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 say whatever, just be me. And then they'll feel comfortable because, but then they see me walking towards the pulpit the, and then I get introduced as pastor and they'll go, is that the pastor? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's, you know, and so like, I always like, man, whoever, what you see is what you get. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think we need to break the stereotypes. Yeah, eh? yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think, yeah, like, like what you're saying, I think there's, you know, we all have this image of a pastor, but I think, you know, the stereotypes of the pastor, you know, back then is no longer the, you know, the pastor nowadays. And I think everyone should be able to be who they are, whether they're a pastor or whatever it is that they're doing, they should be able to be themselves and think we can't sort of categorise everyone and expect them to be a certain way. Um, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you're right, man. I'm a rasta now. A tight jeans wearing rasta. Sorry guys, I know you guys can't see it, but that's a brings me to my question, Togo. Like this is a, a hard question that um our viewers been dealing with over the last week and it's like um do you wear triangle undies or jockeys? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll tell you this, man. I think anyone's lying if they don't have those backup triangle ones in their jockeys. See, one of these are lying. 
But 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 it's the string ones that are worried. Which one you mean, the literal string or just <laughs> 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 shoelaces? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not on my own, guys. <laughs> no, nah, I think you're lying if you don't. If you, if you don't. If you don't have any of those as oh, backup, bro. Yeah. yeah. I was said backup, not backup. Yeah, but the, backup. the only bad thing is, is that, like, if you're a natural guy who just low rides, because then if you're wearing those triangle ones. Oh <laughs> <laughs> way. Now let's uh, let's keep on talking about this because I think this is therapy for me. First, yeah. I did not know I was the only one, and then second, I was like, I had to process it this week. Okay, hey, why do I wear triangle undies? And this for the convenience, bro. It's like the cheapest ones. The, the Rio ones. Everything I the Rio. The Rio. Let's move on now. Let's move on now. Levi's Levi's Calvin Calvin Klein Back to the I remember because I remember growing up on triangles, but then you make the transition to the. Nah, there was someone that commented like, "Real men wear triangles." <laughs> so I'm, I'm staying on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, you know what gets me? Some of you women, you guys are commenting on triangle and jockeys. Are you guys wearing our undies? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, sorry, let's carry on. <laughs> carry on. Let's move on. <laughs> My wife was one of them. They called me. <laughs> I don't want to show like, what she wrote. Don't doubt me like that. Like no it, right? Oh, man. Oh. real. We'll get back to that one at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I want to come back to that one. No, that's funny. I was just going to ask about, because um, you were talking about cancel culture before and authenticity. And... Um, you know, just making that adjustment because, you know, the pre- previously when we were growing up, like you have to wear lots of different hats. And even now, sometimes, you know, yeah. a lot of us wear different hats. Um, so it's really hard to be authentic. Like it's, although logically it makes sense for us, like we want to be authentic and we know that it's a good thing to be authentic. There's just something about because of being conditioned to be a certain way, like it's really hard in reality to try and be authentic everywhere. Yeah. And, and, and it's something oh. as simple as like us being Islanders and being a different kid at home to who we were at school. When we are at school, we are the man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And then when we're at home, all of a sudden we're all quiet, you know what I mean? And I, and I think it's all sort of, you know, it's sort of just, it's killed us in the long run. But I think that's, that's what I was saying before about my kids. I want to encourage them to do whatever they want and whatever makes them happy because I don't want them to have to shift through those different characters. You know what I mean? I think I, I want them to be themselves all the way through. And that's the only way we're going to be able to, you know, communicate is if I allow them to be who they want to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Has there been a time, I'm sure, in terms of, we talk about authenticity, where you felt like I needed to be, this, this is who I really am, but you just felt like, I just can't be this, I can't be myself. Has it been a time where you're like, man, I wish I could turn back time and say, man, I wish I just just was my, myself, Swiss. Yeah, definitely. Like like I was saying, um, back to the early days of my career, you know what I mean? I was sort of, you know, trying to uphold an image that wasn't necessarily myself. Um you know what I mean? Trying to be the suave guy. You know what I mean? I I don't know if you noticed, but like the earlier source videos, like everything was like suave and like, you know what I mean? I I sort of, you know, it was sort of uh, played myself out to be this lover boy kind of dude. You know what I mean? 
you know, but I, I think that was where I sort of fell into that trap and I sort of dug a hole uh, for myself that I sort of, you know, like I said, I'm sort of trying to break out of now because I am that lover guy sometimes. But <laughs> no, but I mean, you know what I mean? That's not, that's not me. You know what I mean? That's not me on a on a daily basis. There's still very much more to Swiss that the world doesn't know of. You know what I mean? And that's where I'm trying to... Thing. I want to be that approachable guy that everyone can sort of, you know, go say what's up to and, you know, all, all those sort of things. So. Yeah, nice. Man, and then t- getting to talk to you tonight, man, you are approachable and, like, um, so relatable and, like, there's a connection. And so, man, I'm excited to see what's next in, um, in this new journey. So, man, big ups to you, Doko. Thank you, my Because um, what's coming up? Mm. Uh, you might have a project coming up. Yeah, I've got a single dropping next month in July. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know when this is going to air, but yeah, it's dropping in July. Um, and then yeah, sort of got a little project dropping off the back of it. So I'm excited. I'm excited. So, cool. Yeah. Did that, you write it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And to be honest, musically, I think this is one of the uh, first ones I've been like happy with in a long time. Like just 100 percent, just. I'm excited for the world to hear what what's coming. You know what I mean. There's no doubts in my mind of, um, you know what I mean. Of I'm not even thinking about the outcome of it. I just mm. want to get this music out to the world, and um, yeah, hopefully everyone loves it and feels everything that I'm trying to get across. Are you able to talk about the song? Mm. Or yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The, so the next song it's, it's, it's called Never. That's that's going to be my first single from this EP that I've got coming mm. out. And the EP's uh, <laughs> a title of Rosera. That's my wife's uh, uh, middle name. So Ooh. I sort of pieced it uh, together and I sort of wanted to dedicate because I think over the years all my stuff has been like, um, say for example, my first EP was Mr. Slow Wine and we had Lucky Man and I had all these different alias names for like myself as an artist and I think this will be the first one where I'm sort of going outside of myself and I just wanted to dedicate it to her and then, yeah. So yeah, cool, man. Extra brownie points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We had boys another baby in one <laughs> <laughs> But how was it? How was it? Um, Swiss, in terms of you, you and Tree to working together, collaborating together. Because some couples can't, you know, there's always that friction. Oh, I can't work with them. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like you guys like. There's a real chemistry when you guys working together. So how's that been with nah, you? Nah, there's plenty of that. There's plenty of yeah, There's plenty of clashing, bro. I'm not, like usually, like like I like to get one of our younger brothers and junior songeta. So he'll come in, and you know, it's always good to have that third ear sort of there to think. But I mean, yeah, I think when we really need to get something done, we can both get it done. But I think we're still really different uh, in terms of our creative processes. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think it's it's one of those things. That, it's gonna it's gonna take a while, but we'll get there in the end of being able to find the balance of, mm. you know what I mean, being there. Like I think it's, especially as like solo artists too. We're both we're two both solo artists, and we both control everything that we do individually. So it's when we're coming together, uh, either whether I'm working on hers, I've got to drop my ego a bit and sort of be there more as a support than someone trying to dictate everything that's happening in studio. So. I think those are all the sort of things that we sort of come to face together. That's cool, bro. That's cool. <laughs> cool. How was it when you guys had to do your um, your album together? The, yeah. What was it called? Um, uh, the Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it was cool, I think. But yeah, like like I said, like, you know, it comes out like flowers <laughs> at the end, but there was a lot of shit in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think that was one of the first 
um, sort of big projects that we're able yeah. to sort of work on together. It's so good, dude. Yeah, but I think it's, it's it's still very important for everyone to know that it's not all glitz and yeah. glamour, you know what I mean? This is still very real life, you know what I mean? Uh, none of, you know, what you see on social media is all you see. Me and wife are your, me and my wife are your normal couple, though, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. We still have our debates and things like that. Mm. But yeah, once you get it right, it comes out like that, yeah, the Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, EP. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Like, I remember watching the video clip, man, man bro, you, you're a good actor, man. Thank you, Miles. Bro. I wasn't acting, it was, that was real, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you are, man, good actor for this guy, man, he's a good actor, man. Nah. Oh, yeah, man. that's cool. I think, if anything, like, being able to do what you love with your, with your number one is, is mm. awesome, you know what I mean? And I think, yeah, it's been a blessing that I've been able to do it with her, you know what I mean? So, yeah. well, what's, what's been one of the greatest learnings in terms of being married now, in terms of uh, in, thus far, in terms of being a, a husband, communication was mm. like I said, I, uh, and, and it comes back to what we were talking about before. Like us Islander men, we're not much talkers, eh? Mm. So I think you know, I think that sort of you know becomes something that I've had to sort of learn is to be able to not just communication and sort of letting her know um, what I'm doing and things, but more so communicating my emotions and how I'm feeling too, you know, because. Before, when we first got married, I was one of those dudes, like, if I was angry, I was quiet the whole day, you know what I mean? And I just wouldn't let anything go. But those are the sort of things that I've had to learn. And I've also had to learn and understand her feelings too. I think um, as men, uh, you know, sometimes we can just be like, oh, get over it. But females, uh, they're, they're um, wired a different way too, and we've got to learn to sort of understand them at the same time as well. Who helped you... Process these understandings because for a lot of our men, like if you don't learn this stuff, you keep on doing what you only know, and so and then then your relationship, like yeah, don't don't get me wrong, I I, I still fall bad, like mm. fall into my bad habits and things like that, but I think I have what's important is that I have an awareness now mm. of you know what I mean. Um, I think if anything, like. Like I said before, and I'll say it again, like, happy wife, happy life is a real thing. You know what I mean? Like, as much as we joke about it with the boys and whatnot, but it is a really real real thing because, I mean, if home's not taken care of, you can't take on the world. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the things that's very important is taking care of your spouse and, 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 and your family. Uh, we use, um, our family uses happy spouse, happy house. <laughs> Because I want to be happy too. Nah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If my wife was happy, then man, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> <that. Okay. laughs> nah. She just needs to buy some drugs for that. <laughs> nah, man. Triangles for life. Triangles. <laughs> Uh, hey, we got some new merch, guys. We've got the baby oil coming out and, and our mandate and, uh, triangles. Yeah. We, get the, we get the Illuminati um, undies. <laughs> oh, hey, give me some of those undies when you do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah! Hey, you know what? Let's do it, bro. Oh, Finish you know what? We'll just grab socks in there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll you need know socks. What? I'm inspired yeah. to do triangles. Yeah. Comfortable mm. ones. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then when that comes out they're gonna go that was the pasta <laughs> <laughs> and then they're all oh, oh they're like I knew there was something up with that pasta look at him standing in the that's why he got stood down 
He's being authentic, man. Being true and authentic. Oh, man. <laughs> oh man, fatherhood. <laughs> well, yeah, we we'll get back to uh, to fatherhood yeah. also because you know, your husband and, and and fatherhood. What's uh, I guess in terms of fatherhood and being a father to three kids? So what's the what's the greatest learning for you now that you you got kids? Obviously, sometimes people say that when you become a father, it's not about you anymore. It's it's about them. And so is is, is that statement true, or is, is there something else that you've you've kind of garnered and learned along the way as, as a father? Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I think it is. I think, um, but then, yeah, I think it's uh, being a parent is some one of those things where you continue to learn new things every day. I think one of the coolest things about it is that you also um, realize that kids are very much like adults. They're not everyone's the same. You know what I mean? They have to be treated a little bit different. Like. Say, for example, my, I expected my daughter to be chilled just like my oldest boy, and that wasn't the case. And then I've got my little fella now who's really chilled. I just, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's uh, being a parent is a cool thing. I think it's, yeah, it teaches you everything daily, man. So, yeah. It's yeah awesome. What's been the most surprising thing about parenthood? Something that you just weren't prepared for, um, that sort of you've had to adapt to? Um waking up before you're supposed to wake up <laughs> <laughs> because your, your, your children are starving in the kitchen <laughs> and, you can, and, and you can hear all the, the all the kitchen doors and the fridge and the pants banging yeah and then you're like oh, oh i've gotta get up i gotta get up now nah, but i guess that's why you have a good wife that gets up and you know sort of sorts the kids out as well <laughs> so, she's trying to get you up right? yeah she's like babe come on come on babe you can do it <laughs> <laughs> and my trying one day. Just the only time I don't wear my undies. Oh no, sorry. Um, <laughs> hey, talk about because originally you're from Upper Hutt, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah, so born uh, born in Lower Hutt Hospital, raised in uh, Upper Hutt, Trentham to be exact, in, in Upper Hutt uh, till I was about twelve years old. Finished intermediate there, and then we made the move across the dish to mm. Australia. So. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool upbringing. It was pretty, uh, about it's quite a small town, you know what I mean? It's, um, yes, everyone will say that we're from Wellington, but we're sort of in our own little mm. area in the Hutt Valley there. Um, uh, lower Hutt, sort of, you know, that's where more of our islanders in there are, but we're sort of situated on the other end of the valley. But it was a good upbringing, uh, you know, typical islander upbringing, uh, raised up in church, the Methodist church. Um yeah, and you know, oh yeah, it's pretty pretty much like everyone else, really. Mm. So yeah, it's not not much different. Favorite childhood memory? Uh, getting the first PS One when it came out. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. was your game? It was Tekken Free. Yo, oh, yeah, Tekken Free. So we had Tekken Free, and then that broke, and then we we're stuck with the demo CDs for. Yeah, but yeah, take it free. I remember my dad getting it for us one Christmas. My brother had to draw gin on a piece of paper to show him what taking, you know. So yeah, that was that was a pretty good one. Even though I never really got my ten, there's about six boys in <laughs> yeah, about six boys and I was number five. <laughs> I was number the fake five. controller not plugged in. Like, yeah, 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 all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get angry and turn it off because there was no memory card. <laughs> oh, that's cool. But would you would you ever go back in um, in Australia? 
Pardon? Would you, I ever go yeah, back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to. I think, um, you know, as, as much as I was born and raised in Napa, I think I learned um, everything, you know, majority, uh, through my teenage years, I picked up a lot of everything that I know in Australia. So Brisbane's still very much home to me. Um, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I would like to go there. If there was anywhere in Australia that I would go back to, it would definitely be Brisbane. Yeah, Brisbane. Mm. Up the Marines. Up the oh. Marines. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how about the collaborations? Because I know there's a lot of good artists out there in the, in the, in the rap game and yeah, yeah. in the music industry in Australia and a lot of, the, a lot of our polys are, are really popping. Mm. Is there any collaborations in the pipeline with some of those guys there or even here in New Zealand? Yeah, I'd love to. I think, um, um, yeah, I think if it comes up, it comes up. I'm not one to try and force something. For something. I think if it's music, we've got to sort of, um, you know, it will all happen in due time, you know what I mean? And yeah, I think it's one of those things. It, it could always happen, but when it does happen, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and find out. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about the... Because the, it seems like Australia's doing something. Bro, it's, it's popping what's, what's, there, what's, going, what's, going, what's happening over there? Yeah, I man, to be honest, I had to move here to try and do the music thing. So I moved here in 2012 because we couldn't do it professionally from over there. You know, social media was in its early stages mm. at that time. You know what I mean? Um you know, at the time when you sort of put in a song, you got 2,000 views, you're like, <laughs> yeah, I've cracked it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was in its earlier stages and I had to come here. I think it was me and uh, who would, who else would have been? Sammy J. Wow. We were the two who came from who came from Australia to make our name here because it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't really, I mean, you probably could have done it, but I think it sort of fast-tracked our, um, our sort of, you know, fast-tracked everything when we came over here. Because I, I think our people had been supported here for a long time, you know, so we saw the opportunity to come here. I think this is the first place we came and I seen people like me on the side of buses and, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it wasn't a wanted thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a reward. Yeah, so I, I think it was, you know, it was one of those things. We had to come to Auckland, you know, the mecca of our, our people and create a name for ourselves and, and do this thing professionally here. And then eventually we tracked back and went to Australia and did all the, you know what I mean? The, yeah. yeah. It's funny how times have changed. Eh? Cause what's, what is it? Because obviously you, you would know, you're in this industry. What is it about Australia that's, they've got all these people, all our pollies doing some amazing stuff in terms of the music industry, sports, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I think if anything, it's just their time at the moment. You know what I mean? I think it's just their time to be able to think. I think, you know, back... Um, you know, when we were younger and you had the sort of uh, the Dawn Raid era and all those sort of things, that was our time. You know what I mean? That was New Zealand's time to be able to make a name for themselves. And now these guys are the fresh new birds um, mm -hmm. dishing out Polynesian music. And, you know, they've become, you know, the the more recognised faces of this era. You know what I mean? And big ups to them. You know what I mean? I think it's, it's cool to see a lot of the Aussie kids. Because, you know, back then it was... Um, you know, we had the New Zealand rappers and then the Australian rappers. They could, they would have never been able to get away with rapping in the accent back then. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, I just yeah. think, you know, it's God's timing, man. Like all of a sudden, UK rappers were thinking, and then the transition from UK rappers to these guys was a lot easier. You know, whereas if we went from the American straight to the Aussie hip hop, it probably wouldn't have been as. Yeah. Half of them were probably rapping with American accents back then. But I mean, it's so good that they've been able to embrace their culture. And even some of our young kids here rapping with New Zealand accents now, eh? You know, so. Yeah, what a transition, mm. eh? What a transition. Yeah, a yeah, positive yeah. one as well. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. interesting, eh? Do you think, um, uh, just thinking about like sometimes there's a time to like chip away and wait for your time? 
and then other times when it's like you kind of have to like follow the wave or ride the wave. Um, how do you determine when's the when's the best time to follow, like to move to find success, and when is it time to just knuckle down and stay where you are and trust that it'll come back full circle? Uh, I, I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know. I think, but it is very important to try and try and stay on your path. You know what I mean? Because if you follow what's popping, you're only gonna stay popping for as long as it's popping for. You know what I mean? It's easy for us to go. You know, and then at the same time too. Also, when you're following what's popping, your heart's never fully in it either. So I think it's always good to try and stay solid. And I and I say this as someone who's sort of fallen into that chapter of of trying to do, you know what I mean? Things that are sort of a bit more foreign to myself. You know what I mean? And it never ends up good. It almost seems like, and um, maybe it's just the vibe I'm picking up or like just from your experience, there's almost like a spiritual sense in terms of like knowing yourself to know what's the best course of action. Because there's lots of options, lots of doors. um, But if you don't have a good grasp on your own spirit and, you know, what you need to nourish your own artistic ability or Mm. anything like that, then it's kind of hard to find your way if you don't have that sense of self, yeah? Yeah, 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 definitely. Mm. Man, Tuko, you you mentioned Dawn Raid. How, how was your time there? Are we are you able to talk about your your time there? Your experience in Dawn Raid? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a good time. Um, if anything, um, it was an awesome experience for me. Uh, especially, I mean, there's there, there's no one like Dawn Raid when it comes to um, you know giving an artist a name and giving them leverage within this industry. You know what I mean? So. I'll forever be grateful for my time with Dawn Raid. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was it was a crazy couple of years, man. But, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, nice, mm. nice. Shout out to Brother D, eh? Yeah, nice. Any future aspirations outside of music? Um, nah, not really. Not, not, not really. Um, mm. I, I think, if anything, yeah, I think, like I said before, um, Music's the only thing I'm good at, so I'll, I'll continue. I mean, there, there's other things that I have love for, but I think they're more so hobbies, and that if anything, um, yeah. But what 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 I eventually sort of dabble into, you know, I, I don't know just yet. Uh, yeah, I would like to look at something uh, maybe after, probably more like um, nurturing and developing artists. I would like to sort of get into that, um, especially our Pacifica kids. You know what I mean? So, what, yeah. What other hobbies outside of like? Um, obviously with music You know a lot of people Will do music as a hobby But what else do you do Outside of music as a hobby That sort of gives you like Just good vibes Good feelings Healing maybe This year I It's funny you said it. This year I actually decided I was going to go back And play rugby So I'm, I'm playing my first season Of rugby in like 10 years It's not rugby league But it's union But I'm happy that I've decided That I'm going to say On my weekends off When I'm not gigging I'm playing for the senior A's At Eden Rugby Club Mm. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. That's that's something else that I sort of I don't know. I just sort of said to myself, I was like, man, I haven't done this in so long. But I grew up playing rugby, you know what I mean. And I think over the years, I sort of realised that like, you know, this this what I do uh, for work is not necessarily as physical. So I don't really get to do much stuff physically. Um, so yeah, it was it was something that was exciting for me. So yeah, I've been lacing up the boots and Jeez. getting smashed around a bit, you know. <laughs> but, but I love it, man. It's all you know. 
Well, then we kiss. So you, you, no, no, forwards, flank. You had a flank. Yeah, no, yeah. Ooh. So I, 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 number eight, number Ooh, eight. Ooh, so number eight. Oh. Yeah, I ended up on the wing about two weeks ago. <laughs> I, I honestly thought I was like, oh man, bro, I just have a rest out there. And then I forgot that when they kicked the ball back, you had to drop it. My poor fullback, he got the ball. He was running up and he was looking behind him, and I was in the front. <laughs> Trying to make my way back. But yeah, like, to be honest with you, like, I grew up playing rugby and that, so it's good to just go out there. Not just that, but the camaraderie in yeah. that, eh? You know what I mean? I love the competition. I remember my, my first touch of the ball was against Wider Matter. But as soon as I got the ball, I turned around, I got head high straight away. I got up, bro, I was rocked. I was, like, literally dazed. And my captain and the captain chairs goes, hey, Thor, you all right? And I looked at him, I go, yeah, I'm all good, but I was gone. Because I knew if I came off at that moment, those white Amanda boys would have been drinking after, like, yeah, 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 we got him, we got him. But it was a good welcome back to, you know, welcome back to footy, so, Yeah. Damn. <laughs> it's funny that feeling um, you know being rocked and being like damn but still putting on a brave face yeah. I don't know why but it just reminded me of like parenting with more than one child honestly is so difficult I've only got two so I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. some of the boys got way more yeah. and you know I should I know I shouldn't be complaining but there's just times sometimes as a parent where you're like bro this is <laughs> this is too much but you still put on a brave face and just try and power through it but I just thought it was hilarious. Like, I don't know, is it just me or am yeah, I the yeah, only bro. one traveling yeah, no. with that? Oh, oh, I, I, I traveled with my one-year-old and my, and my six-year-old, my two boys in the weekend. Bro, I told my wife when she got big from Samoa, like, never again, <laughs> never again. Like, you know, like, you think in your mind, like, I, like when we travel in there, I've got my son all the time. But just that little bit of help, it's a massive change, eh? You know what I mean? But I was on their plane. I was on their plane. I think we had to get up at, like, three in the morning, get to the airport. You know, we were flying at six. So then when I got there, I was tired. And this kid decided he's awake for the whole flight. <laughs> Yeah, we missed a shout out to our dads out there doing it solid. Yeah, hard up, hard up. So, how was your reaction? This big hug or was just a. When I saw when I saw a tree, <laughs> oh mate, oh yeah, I was happy as I was happy as we just got back. Yeah, I said to her, never again, darling, never again. <laughs> um, we talk a, we talk a lot about like um, what are people self care like? Do you have uh, anything? Oh. What's self-care to you and do you have a, like a, what did we call it, like like an avenue for you to have an outlet or is music the thing? I think that's what, that, what rugby is for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like going out there and smashing my body <laughs> physically, you know what I mean? I think that's sort of an outlet. Um, but I mean, self-care to me is also like... Um, I know it sounds weird, like, we're in a day and age now where everyone sort of says, like, remove yourself from, like, places that you feel uncomfortable and things like that. But, like, this year I've really been able to... I've been trying to push myself to learn to make myself feel comfortable in places that I feel uncomfortable because sometimes it's just your mind. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I could be somewhere getting anxiety and I'm sort of sitting there sort of thing, but then... Like, as before, I would just be like, oh, I'm going to find an excuse to leave here or, like, thing. Whereas now I'm like, I just face everything front on. So I think, if anything, that's my sort of thing of self-care now is try to, you know, deal with whatever sort of head on. Mm. 
Jeez, that's, awesome. that's good, bro. Yeah, become comfortable Ooh. in the uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's like something like this tonight. Like, you know, I, I could have ended up being like, oh, nah, I'm too nervous mm. about what we're going to go in there and talk about. And then I could have messaged and made up an excuse not to come through. You know what I mean? And, mm. and but like, you know, like I said, it's, it's about doing things that, you know, like, I think in life, you're never going to be able to experience life fully if you're like, if you're um, sort of treading lightly. You know what I mean? I think it's, as human beings, we're so we were sort of created to go out and experience life in its full experience. You know what I mean? I think social media, as much as it's been good connecting us, it's also limited us limited us when it comes to actual real life social face to face. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. And like, if there's anyone watching, man, and you sort of feel that you can't leave your room, I encourage you to get up and leave that room. Will be the best decision you ever made. You know, so. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because it is. I think as men, you know, this 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 thing that's embedded in us, ingrained in us, in terms of being conquerors, go out there yeah. and, and and face the uncomfortable yeah. and be comfortable with it and be so you know, be courageous even in the midst of, of fear and, and adversity. Mm. I'm glad you said that, bro, because there's a lot of imagine a lot of men who are watching this or who are listening to this thing, man. I really want to do something, and because I've heard, I, I was talking to a guy yesterday. He wants to do something. He wants to start his own business. Uh, t-shirt business and he was like oh I'm not too sure but but he, he watched the podcast one of the podcasts with um with Trey Skrilla mm. and he said he didn't realise like, well are you guys actually doing this and he, he listened to this man I feel really inspired to do something because if, if, if I'm watching these poly and moldy men get up and have the, the and muster the courage to do something and, and be uncomfortable with it but still push themselves that's what kudos I think that's, that's what we need to be doing and, and mm. I love it that you say that that encouraging men to get up get yeah up. Uh, and i'm not saying it's easy though yeah. you know what i mean yeah, like I, right. it's not easy you know what i mean but like one thing that i can say like it's it's, it's better f- it's gonna work out so much better for you in the long run like you know once you fall into that trap it's it gets harder and harder the longer you sit there but i mean it's all it's all mental too once you decide that you're gonna get up and move it's like i said it's not gonna be easy trying to get out of it but i think it is good to sort of yeah, I, th- I think confinement is the worst thing you could ever do to yourself. Like solidarity is the worst thing you could do to yourself. Yeah, man. because you isolate yourself with just your own thoughts. Eh? Yeah, yeah, of course, thoughts, of course, of course. And yeah, I think our brains are meant to be, you know, like we need to train our brains to be able to, you know, go out there and, you know, um, deal with life experiences, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And yeah, I know the first couple of days or weeks or months are going to be draining mentally, but you need to do it. You know, I think it's it's one of those things like go out for that coffee with your mate that's been dragging on for the last six months. You know what I mean? Do these things, eh? You know, it's, it's always going to um, help you in the long run. That's awesome, Dogo. Because what are your thoughts on depression and anxiety? You, we hear all the time now, mental wellness, mental well-being in terms of our, our men. What, what, what are your thoughts on... All, all, all of that that's been talked about on, on social media, TV, all that kind of stuff. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? I think they're very real. You know, I mean, they are very real things. Um, whether you've been diagnosed or not, there's feelings that you do feel that are really, you know, they are really, really real. And, you know, um, everyone might... Um, it might be, you know, different reasons as to why you might be feeling like that, but I think any sort of um, negative feeling is not a good feeling, you know what I mean? And I think uh, it's important that you learn to recognise it um, early, 
you know what I mean, and try and, um, like I said, I, 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 I know it's not the easiest thing to do, but you've got to learn to try and be comfortable in the uncomfortable, you know what I mean? It's only going to train your mind to be stronger. Um, yeah, and it's, it's hard. I mean, I could sit on here and, and say all everything, but I just, I just encourage everyone to, you know, sort of... Um, yeah, just just try and battle it all head on. You know, it's not easy, but yeah. Nice. <laughs> Man, <I'm> <laughs> you know, you've shared that um, you feel like you're only good at music. But man, there's this like mentoring side to you, like um, so much wisdom, eh? Because you've been through it. And like, man, you, I don't know, could like this pastoral role for <laughs> for these up and come um coming artists like this i think you you probably don't realize like just hearing you and talking to you and just this wisdom that comes um, from you and how articulate you are around some of um the stuff that we're talking about man it's like it'll be an amazing mentor to a lot of these youngins and i just wanted to like say that while we had the chance and Man. Thank, thank you and to be honest with you like no word of a lie on my way here I prayed to God and asked that he gave me the right words you know what oh, I mean yeah. I think um, coming on these things is, is always you know like I said to you guys off, off, off the mic I was a bit scared as to mm-hmm. what I was actually going to think but I needed to do my prayer on the way here because I felt that if I was here tonight I needed to be calm and be able to give the right words Rather than just be on here talking a whole lot yeah. of rubbish, you know what I mean. So, thank you for that. Also, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that you that you that you felt that. But and, and I guess God's done His job and His yeah. messages messengers, uh, you know, sort of got His you know got His message across really. So, uh, thank awesome. you. Also. Yeah. Now I think it's time for the. Yeah. <laughs> 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 on that note, on that note, Toko, you don't mind we talk about sex, do you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> oh, that's good. Like, man, and you got that um, radio voice as well. So you still yeah, could yeah. be like the because P already said that he'll pick my FM if they ever gave him a call over Mandy. <laughs> we could be this. This voiceover guy's on C four. <laughs> oh man. Man, it is, it's so cool. Um, it is, you are real chill, real chill. Um, and I think a lot of the guys, you, you, you're good friends with Poetic, Raggedat, Chris, um, Biggs. And you guys all have the same familiar um, presence about yourselves. You know, people think, oh, this is these, these artists, rap artists or, or reggae artists. But I don't think what, what people um, kind of gauge or understand is that you guys are, you guys are very, very, very clever in your own right in terms of what you guys do. And... and Bro, the way you you are. That some of the things you 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 you've shared tonight. It's just it just it, it reveals um, who you really are as, as a person. Like you were saying, this is who you are. But we're getting a little bit of a glimpse of, of who you are, Togo. Sure, my Togo. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, no props, man. Props. Yeah. Props yeah. to um, six eight five. <laughs> <laughs> he could potentially become a pastor. <laughs> we're trying to these. You never know, Togo. You might be you might be a pastor, Togo, man. <laughs> no, I, th- I think what I was saying, like, bro, you're definitely right. And to be honest with you, when you asked the question before about like anything that I would like to do, I have to think, man, I would love to do something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, 
being able to give back to our kids and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Like, like I said, I came into this music at a really young age because I loved being able to make people feel good. You know what I mean? I loved being able to stand on stage and that sort of become from, uh, started off at like Fagame, uh, which is our White Sundays. You know what I mean? So I loved being able to do something that would bring some goodness to someone's life. So yeah, who knows, man? I could sort of, you know, dabble into something like that. If, mm -hmm. if it's not pastoring or thing like that, like it definitely has to be something with the youth you know, just uh, giving back and sort of trying to help out in whatever way I could. Yeah, Solid. Yeah. Should be a mean youth worker, social worker, mandate co-host, or whatever you want. All going to the like. kids outside smoking all day. Who gave you those smokes? A pasta, a pasta. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Because, um, you know, bass, you got any funny stories of bass that you want to share? Oh, I think this one's a bit off camera. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I can't wait to hear. That's my old soul, man. <laughs> you know when I talk about my party, bro, that guy, is, uh, he can party, bro. You know, so. Cool. Yeah, shout out to my old soul, bass. Oh, man. Back to your music, um, Dugum. Uh, for all the tracks you've, you've, you've sung and all the tracks that you've, you've done, which one out of... Out of all them has been the one you feel like, man, this was the, the ultimate. This was my favorite. This was the best one that's come out. I've I thoroughly enjoyed it. This is the one that, oh, man, so much memories around it. Man, I think with me, it's, it would always have to be slow one. Like it's, and that's just solely based off like the, um, the fact that it was my first song that sort of broke the ice for me. I think if there wasn't that song, there's no me. You know what I mean? So it would always go back to that first song. And like, to be honest with you, all these years, I think I've been doing this, what, professionally for about 10, 11 years now. That song is still the one that goes off at every show. You know what I mean? So, and if you think about it, some of these kids were eight when I came out. Now they're, eight. <laughs> now they're wow. 18 wow, well, at yeah. the festivals. You know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah, I guess that's the true testament that, like, you know, that music lives, you know, lives forever. So, true. yeah. But how, how does it feel now? Like, like when, you, when you're aging and you're seeing these young people or young and see, watch you and listen to, still listen to your music, how does it for you? How does it feel for you, kind of aging in, in the industry and also in the music? Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It definitely makes me feel older. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, I, I, but I think it's cool. I think um, this industry is like anything else. Um, it's never promised how long you're going to be able to do it for, you know what I mean? So it's been a blessing to be able to, um, you know, continue to do this, you know, 10 plus years now, you know what I mean? I think the time that I'll really consider stopping is if I see one of my kids at my shows. <laughs> the, moment, the moment that happens, I'm like, yeah, time to hang it up now. You see their dad on stage, like, they like... <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah, but yeah, nah, nah I mean, it's, it's, it's been a blessing also, like, like I said, um, it's never guaranteed how long you're going to be able to do this for. Just make the most of it, eh? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like it's fine wine, eh? Fine yeah, wine. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it, is it is. It is. And it's weird because, like, you know, even when we do, like, shows in that now, like, I'm part of the older crew. <laughs> you know, so my behaviour doesn't seem like I'm one of the older guys, but... Yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Man, that's so cool to have, like, a piece... Essentially, like... 
a piece of the music scene forever. Like that's part of your legacy that, you know, you have carved out a piece of the industry in this period of time for all of eternity that like, this was, this is you, you got a piece of that and it's something that your kids will be able to look back on and all that. So I think that's really cool. Um, And sort of just talking earlier about like, it's just fascinating the influence of the mind. Like it can be your biggest weapon, but also it can destroy you if you let it, um, when you're talking about like being isolated and all that. Um, and so I was just curious about like your thoughts on the importance of like opening up to others. Like sometimes we'll open up to like our wife, uh, maybe our parents, but like, do you think there's a need to open up to people outside of our family or do you think we should find those people within our family to open up to? Um, nah, I, I think you should be able to open up to whoever you feel comfortable with. And I, and I say it more so, like, I think, um, if anything, it should be some, like, still, it should be someone that you very much trust and someone that you can um, expect to sort of hold that, you know, hold that uh, space for you. Um, yeah, but I think it, it, it shouldn't be limited to just our family. I think, you know, that sort of, that um, sometimes we can't even talk to our family, you know what I mean? And... Um, yeah, I think it's just whoever you can sort of find that thing. Like it could be your, your workmate, or you mm. know, but like just someone that you really trust. And I think it's more so someone who who's willing to listen rather than um, sort of respond. That's cool. Sorry. And um, we were talking before about how great a mentor you would be. And, and I wonder when you think back to your childhood growing up, like who was that key mentor for you? that influenced, you know, you becoming the man that you are today? And what was it about them that made them so special? Uh, it would have to be, uh, I think I've said it before, it would have to be my uh, Maoro Badashika. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I saw him do was, regardless of, you know, um, what he sort of accomplished within his career, he was still the very same person, you know what I mean? Uh, both on the field and off the field, you know what I mean? Mm. So... I think the way that he's always been was always something that I sort of looked up to. He's he's the man. What what you see is what you get. He's not much mm-hmm. of a talker. He led by uh, led by example. You know what I mean. So yeah, he's definitely someone I sort of always looked up to in terms of uh, you know being the man. That's cool, man. Doko, like um, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself um, to the 2014 your uh, 2014 um, Swiss um, everything's going to be okay I think that's what I would have told him you know because I think at that time yeah there was just so much going on in my head you know what I mean and I think um, you sort of never really know what's going to be the end of or when it's gonna end, you know what I mean? So I think if anything, it was, yeah, it was more so like, you know, everything's gonna be okay. You're, you're, you're gonna be all good. Take care of yourself first, you know? That's me. Mm. And in terms of Tree, like how much has she been um, like a pillar to you in terms of your growth as a man? Oh, massively, mm. massively. She was. Her career was sort of starting around that same time. And when I decided that I was going to leave in 2014, she left her parents and everything mm. and came with me back to back to Brisbane. 
just to be there to support me through whatever it was that I was going through. You know what I mean? And um, you know, I look back at it and I sort of feel like um, it was a very um, selfish move on my behalf, but it was a really selfless move on hers. You know what I mean? So I'll forever be thankful for her for doing that. I think she was, you know, like how we we're saying, you know, like um, I just asked the question about like, you know, whether you should confide in your family and, and things like that. Like, you know, at that time she was only my girlfriend, so she wouldn't have been considered as family, but she was that person that I could talk to about whatever I could be myself around, like I could be my whole self, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So she's been massive, you know what I mean? And and that's, that, that's why, you know, I always refer back to her, like throughout this whole podcast, you know what I mean? I've been talking about, you know, taking care of my wife and things like that, like it's because that's how much she means to me. What she's sort of, you know, she's, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but she has been through the mud with me. You know what I mean? And she didn't have to, mm -hmm. but she did. So I'll forever be grateful that she, did, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, did that for me. Yeah, props, me. man. It is, it is, I think for, for a lot of men who have who found themselves a, an amazing wife or a great wife, you know, there needs to be a place in time where we kind of, you know, give them props for for the help and for mm -hmm. the for the influence they've had on our in our lives. And it seems like you've, your, your journey with um, Tree has just been one of those I don't know, in terms of love story, but it's just been a, like you said before that, yeah, there's, there's times where you clash. She's definitely hit the world. Let's not get there, Rob. <laughs> you know what I mean? But love, love conquers all, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And you can't deny the lover, you can't yeah, deny the yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it is, I think for every man, you, you're just the hope, or you know, you, mm. you, you find the, the love of your life, or you find someone that he's, who's with you, who who goes through the mud with you, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's here to, to the death. But uh, man, you find yourself a good good lady also. Yeah, she's she's gonna wipe my bum when I'm too old. It's <laughs> 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 cool you, you talk about her like that, because I think sometimes as men, like, we sort of standoffish about talking about our wives like in that light uh, even saying the words like happy wife happy life it's mm. like that's what a, what a <laughs> pussy like you know yeah. Yeah. and it's like you're the man and so like us having this conversation you being able to like just say that freely man it's good we need to like uh, normalize that and pump up our wives so we can pump up in the bedroom. Sorry, sorry. Get that out, man. I don't want to get in trouble, man. Me, me, me and my brothers talk heavily about it. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I think at the end of the day, like, bro, it, it takes a lot for any woman to handle an island boy. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, there's not just us. You're taking on our whole family and all those commitments <laughs> yeah. too. You know what I mean? So I think our, our partners, you know, uh, whatever they might be, whatever, the, you know, the, for them to be able to put up with, you know, with us, not just us, but, you know, everything else that comes with us is is, is, is massive too. So, I mean, we've got to give props, man, you know. Yeah. Mm. But has it been like cross-culturally in terms of Tonga and mm -hmm. Samoa, like coming together, like in terms of family and so forth? How, how's that been for you, you and Tree? Yeah, it's been cool. Uh, it's been cool. I think... Um, Growing up, I thought we were very much the same. Like this, that, like the um, the main uh, morals and values are still very much similar, but there's still a lot of uh, things that are very mm -hmm. different as well. Like my whole life, I thought you guys tunupuaka as well. <laughs> I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like you know, but yeah, but I mean, I, I think it, it's been cool. You know what I mean? 
perfect World Cup time, but <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, but but it's been cool. I've I've, I've learnt uh, my fast arm has gone better over time. Wow, yeah, so, and she she sort of uh, you know has learnt a bit more tongue on over time. Mm. So we're still very, uh, it's still very important to us to install our culture within our kids too. Mm. So, you know, like they do their tongue and prayer. They do their Samoan stuff for White Sunday, you know, the White Sunday and things like that. So, yeah, it's been cool. And, and your kids get the best of both worlds, eh? Yes. And to our losers, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the cultural stuff, it's cool, you know, so I think it's cool. That's cool because that's a struggle for lots of people. Like, I know for myself as well that are born in New Zealand and don't necessarily have strong ties to the language or the culture. Like, trying to learn something yourself so that you can pass it on. But then, even if you have, like, you and your wife, two different cultures, like, getting the best of both worlds is possible. But it's a lot of work, I imagine, and a lot of communication between both parties. Um, I imagine that for a lot of couples, it's prioritizing one over the other, or depends on lots of yeah, different things. Right. Eh? Yeah, uh, I think for me, it's it's, it's very important that uh, when my kids go to either side, they feel comfortable on either side. You know what I mean? Like I don't want them to go to one side and like uh, say, for example, they go to the Tongan side and they only speak Samoan, or then to go to the Samoan side and they only speak Tongan. Like you're sort of sort of throwing them into the deep end of that, you know what I mean? So like, I want my kids to be comfortable whatever side they go to, you know what I mean? So that's why we try and, you know, instill both cultures in them. It's not going to be easy, but I think it's possible. It's been... Because I've, I have, I've, I've seen it, it is it's quite, um, quite um, common, eh? Um, so it's like you get the half tongue and half Samoan or half whatever, and you see like, oh, what are you, I'm half tongue and half Samoan, but I only speak Tongan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm more on my Samoan side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you yeah. See that, and it's, cool, like, it's cool that you kind of get into the place where you and Tree, like, hey, we need to change things a bit in terms of the traditional upbringings. Oh, but I'm still trying to put in more Tongan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Nah, but I, I think with her, the reason why she wants to encourage them to speak more Tongan is because we're here with, like, you know, the, her parents in there are all here, whereas mine are in Australia. Mm. So that's why she's a bit more thing with sort of encouraging them to speak Tongan, you know what I mean? Because we go to their, her parents' church, which is Samoan AOG, you know what I mean? So, you know, they're around a lot of the Samoan stuff and, and things like that. So I think that's, you know, she sort of encourages them to learn the Tongan things a bit more. Do you think that'll get harder to like maintain that balance as the kids get older, especially if they're going to like a mainstream school where maybe there's not much um, like cultural groups or cultural events happening? Do you think it'll get harder as they get older? Or yeah, I, I think I think there'll definitely be some difficulties on the way. Like, but I think for me, like what I've learned, like with the Samoan language, it's actually very similar, and like it's totally up to you how difficult you want to make it. You know what I mean? So I I think it's it will be easy for them to you know, I think it's it's like anything else. If they if they want to then they then they will. But I mean, yeah, when it comes to high school and that whatever group they choose to do, whether it be Indian or Maori, I I, I don't mind, you know, it's it's it's, it's all you know, I, I encourage them to do whatever they want. Yeah. Oh man, um. it's just been cool to meet you soon. Um, sit here and chop it up with you and just seeing a different light of, of you like um, 
especially from someone that we like watch and listen to on the radio and and um so I'm just really blessed to like get to share a beer with you, Doko, and um just hear yeah, your heart and uh man, just encouraged and can't wait to see like the the next stage and can't wait to like for your time to um come come around again and and, and it seems to me like regardless like if um you get you know you have this massive ride or whatever that you you're still gonna keep on making music and still being you and um I, yeah I'm just blessed brother so just thank you so much Toko and man I just hope that like you come back and um, just co-host, bro. Because yeah, you, oh, you yeah. got the head. Yeah, co host like, got the head. I'll be keeping it. I think yeah, you guys will be sick of me by the second episode. <laughs> 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 hey, welcome to Swiss's podcast, everybody. These are the men there, guys. <laughs> like, like, like you said, Togo, this is us, the Swiss community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> nah, I just can't wait to, like, I um, s- um, send you my merch. <laughs> you start rocking now. Oh, but yeah, nah, Toko, yeah, nah, just to return what um, what Charles said, bro, bro, tonight's been awesome. Um, you coming on tonight, but also getting to meet you f- um, face to face. Yeah, we hear you on the, on the airwaves, we hear your, your, your music, we appreciate your music and what you do as an artist. But when we see you face to face and get to talk to you and, and hear you, your heart as well. Um, but, but also, the, what, what the, the one thing that I really get got out of tonight really is, um, the mind. Mm. I love it that you, you said, you know, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of, of your hardships and struggles, you need to push yourself. And I love it that we as, we as men, we need to, I think we need to get to behind each other and push each other, even if, you know, even during those hard times, we need to push, push each other, but also be un, be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm. And I like it that, you, mm. that you're doing what you're doing and, um, and, and conveying that and also inspiring us and, and sharing with us to, to do that and to push and to persevere. So, um, Togo, mad love, Togo, of Atu, man. This has been an awesome, awesome conversation, awesome Talanot. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. I think, if anything, it's, it's, it's just as much as a blessing for me to be on here, too. I think um, the conversations we had tonight, I probably wouldn't have been able to get to these things. And I, I, I know that that's your guys' mission with what you guys are trying to do. So I'm happy that you were able to get that sort of stuff out of me tonight and we were able to sort of relay that message and, and sort of pass on whatever we could. So uh, thank you guys for, you know, even bringing me in to have a chat, have a beer and just, you know, uh, be able to sort of uh, set some light on, you know, mental awareness and, and all those sort of mental health awareness and all those things. Uh, well, pleasure, thank man. A pleasure. Man, it's always cool. Like when a guest comes in and we just feel comfortable straight away, like straight off the bat, just having a laugh, kicking back, but also just the journey and the struggles, like it's so relatable. Um, And it's just cool that even though we can operate in different fields, we all have our own challenges, but yet the learnings, you know, we can pull from that and apply it in our own way to our own lives. So it's just cool to see you, like the acknowledgement and the maturity, like seeing your journey and like your personal growth um, as an artist, as a parent, as a son, this is really cool to, uh, and inspiring to hear that um, delivered 
in like a relatable way. Like you, you didn't much. try and like add any extras to it. You were just quite real and just yourself. And I think your heart really just shines through on that. So just big ups to you and, and also to the family for holding it down because we know mm. that, you know, we're nothing without our family. So yeah, appreciate you. Mahalo, mahalo toko. Doko, we um every every guest that comes on, we always give them a gift. And so Doko, this is this is for you on behalf of the mandate team. Malo lava malo pito. Oh, thank you, my Togo. I actually thought you were going to pull out some Mondays, though. This is actually really dope. Thank you very much. Who did this? Oh, wow, oh. thank you, though. So that's yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, yeah. I thought he just meant like you go and buy it. Wow. Man. Oh, thank you, Togo. Appreciate oh, it, man. The man, the man. Thank you, Togo. Thank you, man. Oh, this is, this is going up in my studio. Oh, man. oh thank you, Docs. Wow, wow check that out. Check that out, guys. <laughs> man, thanks, Docs. $250. You want something like this? $250. Hey, uh, Swiss, is, is there anyone that you can think of that would be ideal to come on the podcast, um, Togo? Yeah, definitely. I think there's, there's a whole heap. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think, you know, Brother D will be one to get on here. You know, he's he's definitely, he's the man when it comes to these sort of things. Um, yeah, I think we've got heaps of people here in Auckland who, who are very influential and can, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, give me a yeah if there's anyone that you are trying to get a hold of that you oh might not man, be able to think. Awesome, we try and connect the dots or whatever, you know. It would be cool to get tree on one day and see. Oh, yeah, 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 man. yeah. Of course, yeah. of course. What, what's Swiss like? What's his happy wife? Happy life? Is for real? Wearing a string, But now, man, my little lover, Dogo, my little lover. Um, we always give the the guest the last word, um, um, Dogo. So please, any words of encouragement to our to the listeners and to those viewers. Yeah, I think if anything, like, just going back on what I was saying before, like, if, you know, if, if you're going through some stuff, like, don't, uh, I know it's, I know it's hard. And I know it sounds cliche, but, you know, uh, do your best to um, try and lift yourself up, you know what I mean? And, and get out of that slump, um, you know, if you're, if you're sort of locking yourself in your bedroom and whatnot, like, try and get out and about, um, you know, like I said, Life is about going out and experiencing it, good or bad, you know what I mean? But that's all part of life. And we've got to develop our minds to be able to um, be strong enough to face whatever comes. And that's the only way you can do it, is go out and face life head on. So. Mano, mano, man. Appreciate it, Togo. So please don't forget to like, um, subscribe and comment. We look th- forward to your well thought out comments. And as usual, brothers. Unlock. <laughs> 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 And as, and as usual, brothers, <laughs> refine, <laughs> unlock, and take, take charge. charge. <laughs> <laughs> Bandit.